What's going on, Whisper Nation? And thanks for joining us for the Week 5 Weekly Breakdown Part 1 episode, where Big Travi, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and myself, Austin Sear, are going to go over the first eight games and give you all the fantasy-relevant start, sits, and jump into the nuggets in between. Let's get this episode going. Right here. That's right. Like Austin said, we'll be talking the first half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications of Sunday's games. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing on the YouTube channel and giving this and our other videos a like on your way in. Welcome all the way in, Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by Johnny GameTime Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore GameTime. What's going on, Johnny? What's up, boys? Week five, huh? Can't believe we're already breaking down part five, part five, week five, part uh, of these matchups. It's unbelievable how fast this is going, and it's but it's great because we just keep getting more and more data, keep sharpening that knife. I'm excited, boys. I'm excited. Part of getting you that data is getting you the other co-host here, which is Austin Sear. You can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, week five, part one. What's going on, man? Week five, part one. I know, man. Just really excited. Now we're in the second month of football. We got data that actually means something. Storylines that we've departed from. New ones we've picked up. I like coming into month two of the NFL season. Absolutely. And I want to remind Whisper Nation that it's time to put the PP back in PPR League with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance 4.0 package. So don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TFWMAN. That's 20% off plus free shipping shipping with the code TFWMAN at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping. The code is TFWMAN, and you can get the discount there at manscaped.com. Gents, normally we want to start the show off with a quick question. I'm going to do that again here. We've had a little bit of questions about guys that are, you know, letting you down, but now we're a month in, and I want to know which take has you the most tilted, which players got you the most on tilt, you're most frustrated, pulling the most of your hair out for. Austin, I'll start with you. Any player come to mind that's really got you frustrated heading into week five? Oh, um, ooh, no, I'm going to pass on this one, man. I'm sorry. I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer for you. I don't have a good answer for you right away. I got to think about this one for a second. All right. Uh, I, I think for me, I'm looking at the Dallas offense and the take we had all off season was that the Dallas offense was going to be this high flying affair and it was going to have a bad defense and continue to throw all over the place. And we're just not seeing that come to fruition. The defense is a lot more improved. We've talked about this week over week and they're just somebody that, uh, you know, maybe we're going to have to pick and choose our battles with a little bit more. Johnny, any player come to mind for you that's tilted you uh, in the fantasy football sphere so far? Um, I mean, I would have to say Brandon Ayuk, man, like uh, that one is, I mean, Debo is just getting all the love there. And I definitely did not see this coming into the season. I'm thinking it's going to change, but I, you know, again, we all expect rational coaching to happen. And so far there's not been that I, it just infuriates me. And it continues like no one this whole time. Kyle Shanahan just keeps getting swept under the rug as like this good coach. And he's making terrible decisions. I don't know. It just baffles me. Sorry. That was like a little bit of 
frustration coming not only on Ayuk, yeah. but shanahan it's the double yeah team. it's like a shanahan against dude yeah. all over again and george kittle getting you a little flipped over there as well and then the running back yeah. situation in san francisco has been all topsy-turvy that's just been a really frustrating situation from a lot of perspectives in san francisco the whole way through but we always talk about we always talk about the positive of it and it's frustrating i want to bring it to light i want to bring it to light all right, well, we're going to bring that and many more matchups to light here, and we're going to start with the London game. That's right, our first London game of the season, the Atlanta Falcons hosting the New York Jets in a 46-point over-under. Atlanta favored by three over in London. We look at the Jets side of the ball. We have a couple wide receivers we, we want to talk about. So, Aust- or Johnny, Corey Davis, Crowder coming back in, showing some signs of life in this passing. We knew it was a good matchup against Tennessee. How are we feeling going forward? Because this should be another good matchup against Atlanta here. Yeah, you're gonna. You guys waking up early to watch this, huh? Are you gonna Are you gonna set that DVR and then uh, catch up at halftime when it's like seven thirty and you wake up, huh? Hey, I, I get mean, it. I don't. Either way, it's cool. I I love it, dude. If Sunday's gonna be one of those days of the year where it's just it's just all a, it's a long day. You get to see four games. It's it's one of the best days. I love these London games uh, from a fan perspective because you just get so much football. And believe it or not, even at the end of those Sundays, I feel a little football drained out uh, because it is a lot of football. But you you asked specifically about uh, about the wide receivers here. Corey Davis, monster game last week with Tennessee. We told you uh, to get him in your lineup. Blew up again this week. Gets another juicy matchup. So I am once again getting him in my lineup against Atlanta. He's been the wide receiver five and the wide receiver seven in PPR when he has a plus matchup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a plus matchup. 16.1 yards per reception is sixth in the league. Love that right now. And sixth in touchdowns on the season with three. So here are my, here's my recommendation. Because Atlanta is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. Only Tennessee and the Colts have given up more passing touchdowns. So I do think Corey Davis gets in the end zone again in this game. And then you know what? I sell him high. I get one of these deals like we've been seeing, like a Debo for DK or some craziness like that. That's what I do with Corey Davis when people still th- when people think, oh, he's really coming on. I would trade uh, Crowder is an interesting one, right? Popped off nine targets, uh, only did play 62% of uh, the snaps in this, in this past game, first game back. But what's key is they are all from the slot. What is interesting about Atlanta is that is a bingo spot for uh, the blow up spot because they have allowed the fourth highest passer rating two receivers lined up in the slot this season. So I do think if you need a, what the heck flex, you can do it with Crowder this weekend. Well, uh, when we looked at the Jets at the start of the year, there was a lot of excitement, new coaching staff. There was a lot of excitement around the rookie, Michael Carter. He's been since in a running back by committee, but he's quietly over the last couple of weeks taking over. Is that right, Austin? Yeah, he kind of is. He's definitely the halfback who's leading the bunch there between Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and Michael Carter. He had a 51% snap share in week four. And remember, this is a three-way committee, so 51% is pretty significant. Outtouching everyone by a wide margin, 13 total opportunities versus six for Coleman and five for Ty Johnson. But 
it's still a committee on a bad team. Now, I think they should get Carter more involved. He's got that mystery box upside. And the Jets just don't looking to try to be actually winning in a lot of games this year. It looks like they want to know more of what's about with the pieces they currently have and how much do they have to um, invest in the future. Um, so they're going to want to know what Michael Carter really brings to the table. Um, and I think you're going to see him be more involved that that direction. Um, but temper expectations, because while last week was Carter's best day of the season by far, he still just had 9.8 fantasy points. He's not a recommended start right now or in the immediate future, but you do like to see the work going his way. I'm going to stay tuned. We might get some flex consideration for Michael Carter here sooner than later. Yeah, we're going to move on from the Jets side of the ball, which is not the most exciting team in this matchup. That would definitely belong to the Atlanta Falcons. And I want to talk about the players who should be the most. Wow, you called that Atlanta exciting. That's the first yeah. this year that they've heard that, dude. They're well, going to be I mean, jacked. I, what, I, I asked you guys a couple of weeks ago if we could count on this offense to improve. Um, and it has over the last couple of weeks when faced softer matchups against, especially against Washington this last week, they did improve, but the two most like important pieces I would say that we're looking at is Calvin Ridley and obviously Kyle Pitts. When we look at Calvin Ridley, 28% of the team's market share for targets, no other player on the Falcons has more than 18%, but he's yet to find the end zone this season. And he's third in NFL and red zone targets so far. So you got to think something's coming here. Ridley is not just the same explosive player, though, that we've seen over the last few years. Last year and even in 2019, he had a yards per target of over eight. This year, it's only 6.1. It is frustrating, but the numbers are there for Ridley. And he continues to dominate the looks in this offense. The Jets have been a tough matchup on paper but they haven't faced a ton of healthy or top-tier wide receiver talent. A banged-up Tennessee squad, the New England wide receivers have been two of their first four opponents, so I think that kind of buoys their, their numbers there. If we look at Kyle Pitts, he's averaging around seven targets per game. He got his season high nine last week, six red zone targets through four weeks. That's tied for fourth, and he ties Dawson Knox for leading the most among tight ends and red zone targets. He's got just some dancing nice around it. Just get in yeah. there. I think I think he is. Uh, I'm not going to call it because every time Johnny calls it, he doesn't seem to score. So I'll just lay off of calling it here. But <laughs> he's got some nice usage metrics. Um, they they just haven't put it all together here. And right now, Patterson looks like this team's secondary option. Um, but I would continue to roll Pitts out in my lineup because of the draft and draft capital and the usage that you pay, that you get out of him. But, uh, Johnny, I'll, I'll kick it over to you on Corderell Patterson because he's setting the fantasy football community on fire right now after a three-touchdown performance against Washington. Yeah, and I love it. I love it because he's proving people wrong. He is a glitch in the system, and people hate it. People hate it. They don't know where, where to rank him, what to do with him. Trade, should I trade him away right now? Should I keep him? Here's what I want to tell you. If you can sell them right now for trade them away for, uh, you know, a wide receiver one, get one of these uh, wide receivers that's mega un underperforming, a DK Metcalf, uh, a, a hop, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, something like that, then I, I'd say do it. If you can't, I would keep him because here's the thing. He's getting so many receptions and target or and carries so averaging seven carries a game as well as six targets a game. That's 13. How many wide receivers do you know that are getting 13 targets per game? Maybe Cooper Cup and, and Deontay Johnson. And guess what? Those are weekly starts. So you want to have that. Cordell Patterson on top of that has had one or more red zone carries in all but one game this season. 
when you look at the matchup, sixth fewest passing yards allowed uh, to wide receivers, seventh most, however, rushing yards allowed to running backs is uh is what they're was is what Detroit is giving up and or excuse me is what they're giving up and only Detroit has given up more rushing touchdown this season than the New York Jets. So I get him in my lineup. I think he's a flex play, an RB2 flex play, wide receiver 2 flex play with obviously number 1 overall player upside because he can get in the end zone basically from any position. Austin, if you're a Mike Davis GM, you've watched this season be Cordell Patterson, as as uh, as Johnny just said, be the like star of the show. And now, even last week, we saw Wayne Gallman emerge in this backfield to steal some touches as well. How concerned are we for Mike Davis, and uh, and how concerned about Wayne Gallman should we be? You know, the Mike Davis piece is a little bit concerning. Well, the impact that Wayne Gallman there has towards Mike Davis is a bit concerning because what we said about Mike Davis last week remains true. He leads the Atlanta Falcons in touches and rush yards and snap percentage, even in rush grade. Like he's not doing bad work as far as pro football focus is concerned with the opportunities that he has, but he still hasn't broken nine fantasy points despite getting a pass touchdown last week, Travi. He doesn't have the play style that's going to bust out and get you a lot of fantasy points. The Falcons don't look like they have the offense for a a player like a Mike Davis to really benefit from. And now Wayne Gallman comes in after being a healthy scratch the first three weeks, comes in a week four, he's active and he's pretty productive with the six carries that he got 29 yards. Wayne Gallman's never going to be a recommended start or anything like that, but he might have just a big enough impact on the running back room for Atlanta. That's going to be taking Mike Davis off of flex consideration for you. He might end up becoming like, part of a committee on a low volume offense where they have another halfback. They like to put in positions to actually make impacts. And that's quarter Patterson. All right. We move on to the next matchup. We have the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Detroit lions in Minnesota. This is a seven and a half point favorite are the Vikings here in this game and a 49 point over under. So a lot of points to be had here, which could give us confidence in the Detroit Lions side, the offensive side of the ball here, because after last week when Chicago was kind of had their way with Detroit, we saw a little bit of a downgrade in in a lot of the weapons here in Detroit. And so I'll kick it to you first, Johnny, because we saw that maybe DeAndre Swift not being as game script or matchup proof as we thought against Chicago. How are we feeling in this matchup against Minnesota? All the metrics were there for DeAndre Swift. I know. I mean, running backs tend to have some bad games. It's not like they, you know, Saquon has a bad game. Alvin Kamara has a bad game. All these guys are going to have bad games. Zeke has a bad game. DeAndre Swift is going to always be in your lineup. He has a high, high upside. He's second in receiving yards right now in the NFL uh, for running backs. He's uh, second in running back receptions with 23, only behind Najee Harris, who had like, a 13 target game. Uh, And then he's played. uh, What's really significant is this past game. He played on 72% of the snaps, which was the uh, season high. Uh, I will say this matchup is is quite juicy. Top 12 in points allowed to the running back position. That is Minnesota's defense. And they've also allowed three rushing touchdowns on the season. And, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift has gotten, you know, the first crack at the goal line. He looks to be that guy. Jamal Williams in this matchup would be an RB three slash flex play for me uh, because you did talk about the game script. And that's what I do think is important is that I think DeAndre Swift is a much more safer uh, running back to play because 
you project Detroit to be a, a behind in a lot of games. And even if they are ahead, he'll still get enough rushing attempts, right? And then DeAndre, uh, Jamal Williams, if they're in a positive game script, that's when I would play him as a much higher ceiling. And you know that he can get uh, the groundwork, but he didn't see any receptions last game, which was the first game without any reception. So do monitor that moving forward as well. Awesome. When we look at the other weapons on this team, really, it's only TJ Hawkinson that we have a lot of faith in. And that's starting to get a little bit shook after a couple bad weeks. So quell the fear here. Are we concerned TJ Hawkinson now outside the top five? Are we concerned going forward, concerned in this week? Oh, muted. Oh, you're muted. Quell, quell. What what a word, dude. If we're playing the overall stature game on TJ Hawkinson, I don't downgrade him despite falling a little bit out of that top five position. Um, and that's because we're looking at really strong performances in the last two weeks from Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox, who both have three touchdowns a pop over the last two weeks. I don't think that type of production is going to continue. And I do think Hawkinson's is going to pick up after a downgraded last two weeks. Look, he's the number over number three overall tight end, despite the last two couple of tough weeks in targets and receptions. And then he trails in fantasy points, the number two tight end, by still only six points. So while he's fallen down, he's just one touchdown away from being right there in the top three. And he's only 13 points behind Kelsey. So it's it's not a huge hole that he's in. And given Hawkinson's role on the team and overall ability, he could make up that ground in just one week. He hasn't popped in the last two weeks, but he still does lead all Lions in targets. And then he's tied with uh, DeAndre Swift, and Swift and Cephas last week with four targets. And then overall for the season, he's tied right there with Swift in targets and in receptions. This week, though, however, it's a bit tougher on paper as Minnesota gives up just 6.3 points per game to the tight end position. Tougher than a lot of defenses in the NFL. But then again, Baltimore gives up the most fantasy points to tight ends. And that's where TJ Hawkinson had his worst game of the season thus far uh, so just given his role on the team the talent that he has um, they could be forcing it to him they haven't done it the last two weeks but they haven't won those games either I think that the the, the better decision making comes in to play it's going to have to guys have their jobs on the line and Hawkinson someone you want to get involved if your job is on the line the usage is there. This is just the nature of the tight end position. Like we are going to get this, you know, we're going to have the up and downs, but he's definitely one of the guys you want rocking and rolling. I will say that with Hawkinson and then Cephas's slide over the last two weeks, we've got Khalif Raymond kind of popping up on that early uh, waiver wire, you know, sneaky, what the heck flex kind of appeal here over the last two weeks, 16 targets, 112 yards and two touchdowns. Again, this is likely whack-a-mole here status with the Detroit Lions, but he's played 75% of the team snaps in three of the last four weeks. He's got sneaky, sneaky flex appeal against a Vikings team that has given up the 10th most points per game to the wide receiver position. If you play three or even four wide receivers or two flexes, I think that you can get Khalif Raymond in in a PPR situation where, again, high over-under where they're going to be coming back in this game. I like what I'm seeing usage-wise out of Khalif Raymond. We'll see how it, you, it holds You up. won't. You won't. Uh, I won't because I don't pick have him up, him pick leagues, him up. No, but I think if, if I was I'm in a deeper saying. league, I just yeah. wanted to make the case. It is a good matchup. It is the good Minnesota matchup. Vikings, uh, the other side of the ball, Austin, similar to TJ Hawkinson, was inside the top five. Now outside of the top five is Kirk Cousins, who <laughs> is a guy. Five, that, dude. Yeah. Top five, five, uh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins here is set to be in another matchup where he should have a great matchup here. Can we trust him again, even though he hurt us last week, Austin? You know, the down game last week should be in our expectations for Kirk Cousins. I've talked about it 
the last three weeks of how volatile Kirk Cousins has been throughout his entire career and volatile performances can still lead to top 10, top five finishes. Even Kirk Cousins has done it multiple times there, but this is a part of his game. Like he's going to have these 30 plus point games. He's going to have sub 15 point games. This next week, though, is really the question. Now, on paper, it looks phenomenal. It's going up against the worst passing defense in the NFL in Detroit. They clock in at 32 out of 32. But honestly, man, this gives me a little bit of pause for a guaranteed bounce back game. And the reason why is you say, oh, Kirk Cousins is going to have his way with the Detroit Lions. Eh, I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to have their way with the Detroit Lions. And there's a lot of ways those scores could come and it would then change game flow. Like a simple scenario is the defense catches a pick six. Dalvin Cook scores the next touchdown. Um, Kirk Cousins throws for the third. The fourth, you know, grab bag. It's it's whatever. And then it's like now they might be three, four scores up ahead. They're really just running out the clock. And it's not that voluminous back and forth high over under type game where you would need your quarterback to come in there and just keep throwing, 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 throwing. They're going to get up. They're going to stay up. They're going to control the clock. They're going to run it out with Dalvin cook, but that doesn't mean that Kirk cousins can't come in and snag three tutties in the first half. And then like nothing on the backside. It's just tough to predict in these rollover matchups, which is what Detroit is shaping into. Yeah. You're like the worst enemy for cousins. Isn't this great matchup? It's the game script, you know, it's this, the yeah. way the game could unfold. And I think that was a great breakdown on how that could happen. And like Austin said, it could be Dalvin cook, maybe even Alexander Madison. We look at Dalvin cook last week. He appeared to re-aggravate the ankle, um, but then he came back into the game. He only got up to 44 total yards on 11 touches, only 49% of the team snaps. This was a very stingy Cleveland defense that he faced. So hopefully a week of treatment can get him right. You're actually kind of hoping though, if you're a cook owner and you have, Madison that they bench cook here maybe rest him get him healthy because this is a Detroit squad they should definitely you know take care of their healthy favorites against death taxes and the Lions are the best matchup for your fantasy running back that's been true over the last couple years Uh, we know these things about the universe and that's what we know uh, that the Detroit Lions allow 27 plus points per game to the position both guys would be starts depending on who starts for the Vikings but even if cook goes Madison's got some flex appeal because he outcarried Cook 10-9 to last week. And in this matchup, in the words of Biggie Smalls, believe me, sweetie, the Lions have enough to feed the needy here. I mentioned the 27-plus points per game allowed to running backs. I would definitely be okay with starting Madison in some flex situations here. Johnny, we know what we get out of the, the running backs for the most part, and we know what we get out of the wide receivers with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Oh, yeah, man. This is These two guys are just unstoppable with Kirk Cousins, man. And look at this. Justin Jefferson, 26% of targets on the year. ADOT is 13.4 or 13. Yeah, 13.4. And he's getting 38% of the end zone targets. Now, on the other side, you got Adam Thielen, who he has been, you know, the the mantra for Adam Thielen is like, oh, he's just the touchdown magnet. He's not been uh, quite as good as Justin Jefferson. But on the contrary, like he's still seeing a grip of targets, 22% to be exact, which is what a lot of wide receiver ones for some teams like high potent offenses are getting their number one. His ADOT is a little bit lower, which is why his yardage hasn't been quite what it is. It's at 8.6. So he gets much more of the, the closer and safer throws, whereas you got Justin Jefferson doing like the deeper routes. Uh, but Adam Thielen also 38% of the end zone targets. And you look at this matchup, baby, 
perfect for these wide receivers. Detroit ranks top 10 in yards allowed to the wide receiver position. So get out that table, put out the napkins, put out the nice silverware and plates because it's going to be a feast for both these wide receivers, baby. Well, we will, uh, we expect that out of those guys. We're definitely locking them into our lineup and they're just so good over there. So I, I am excited for those shares of Thielen and Jefferson here. Excited to talk about the next game. Kind of, uh, Washington football team hosts the new Orleans saints. It's a 44 and a half point over under we've got new Orleans favored by two on the road here. Austin, we were excited about this offense coming into the year because we thought Jameis Winston could really elevate some of the pass catchers or we could find some pieces of the offense. But now, you know, Taysom Hill's rearing his ugly head in the red zone. We've got <laughs> Jameis Winston being masked by his uh, his uh, coach here. Do we have any clarity on what is going on with this quarterback situation? You know, I think we actually kind of do. And I think we have a little bit more clarity on what Sean Payton wants to do in this entire offense. And that is not to crack open a can of whoop ass and drop it all over his opponent. He just kind of wants to play smart football and win with the pieces that he currently has. Jameis is the passing quarterback who doesn't throw for more than 150 yards. Um, he has not been unleashed. Maybe that comes up moving forward, but it has not been the game plan. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to unleash Jameis. Unleashing Jameis comes with a lot, and I think that Sean Payton understands that, and so he's trying to, uh, to limit that opportunity and to just highlight the man's strengths. And speaking of strengths, he's going to do the same thing here for Taysom Hill, who's got the weirdest role for any quarterback I can remember in like the last 10 years of playing fantasy football. He's He's been a tight end. He's now like a red zone running back. He's in on 50% of the plays, but he's like this gadget halfback who's not super fast, but is so tough to bring down. He's like this old school fullback clown thing that you just can never bring down. I don't even know how to say it. Jameis, though, isn't a recommended start this week. He's averaging just 13.6 fantasy points since week one. Taysom Hill is not a recommended quarterback start. If he gets that RB designation, though, you might want to put some consideration over there, but that hasn't happened just yet, and I would be holding my breath until we see some more developments coming out. I think New Orleans is going to be fine, but I'm not interested on, in Jameis or, or Taysom Hill right now. Taysom Hill, not only a detriment to maybe any kind of upside we could see out of Jameis Winston, but now he's affecting Alvin Kamara in a bigger way than we wanted to. Alvin Kamara is a whole other case study for us guys. I think he continues to be an RB one for you right now, but you're, you're concerned about the lack of usage in the passing game. Alvin Kamara has four career games with 20 or more carries. Three of them have come this season. He also had his first career game with zero targets last week. It's crazy to see this change in role for Kamara with his, the new run heavy high Jameis style of play from the saints that we talked about here, but AK is going to get his, it's just going to be in a different way this year, which likely makes him more of that fringe top 12 guy than a top five guy moving forward. And I think we, it was just important to make peace with that on the show here and talk a little bit about that. When we look at the other side of the ball here or the opponent, we have the Washington football team, Johnny, we've seen Diami Brown get injured. We'll see if he can make it back. Logan Thomas definitely going to the IR. Curtis Samuel now back from his injury, seeing a bit of an uptick here. Anything worth Curtis Samuel before we dive into the nuts and bolts of Washington? Do you think there's a what-the-heck flex kind of play in, in Curtis Samuel this week or going forward? Uh, not this week uh, due to the matchup. New Orleans, uh, they are giving up the six most yards to wide receivers, uh, but they're only allowing four touchdowns on the year to opposing wide receivers. So the upside isn't quite there for me. And you look at what he did last week, only played on 39% of the snaps 
and, and so he's just a stash for right now because there is some upside, right? Depending on what happens with Daimi. Uh, and then just mentioning uh, Ricky Seal Jones seems to be a full, uh, you know, like he's replacing Logan Thomas. Uh, he caught the touchdown this past week, uh, almost had one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but New Orleans, the seventh fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season. So I don't think I would look that way this week, but just watch his usage uh, because with Logan Thomas out for a while, you might. And if you're needy for a touch uh, tight end, he might be a stash. Antonio Gibson uh, truthers are needy for him to kind of be the CMC we thought he would be, but he's still getting it done for you, Austin. And this is a tough matchup. I don't think we're shying away from Gibson or how are you feeling about McKissick? You, you or probably can't. Yeah. You, like, yeah. Right? Right. I mean, you can't likely bench Gibson given where you probably drafted him, you know, early in the second, most likely for you. And yeah, he's not doing bad. He's like an RB two right now. And we know that he's got a lot more ceiling ahead of him. This week's an interesting matchup, though, Travi, going up against what is ranked as the number one rush defense in New Orleans. But taking a little bit deeper of a look at that one, I'm not going to suggest benching Antonio Gibson. And here's why. The Saints have given up the eighth fewest points to running backs. That's pretty good. But it's really coming from how stout they are at the goal line where they've allowed only one rushing touchdown in the first month of football. A bright spot if you're a fighting against the New Orleans Saints rush defense is they allow the 11th most yards to running backs. So there's going to be room for Antonio Gibson to get out, to get in the field, to get some chunk plays. And given Antonio Gibson's play style, we've seen what he can do when he gets a little bit of daylight up in front of him. And maybe he can add a second touchdown to that, to that rush defenses uh, taking a, taking a hit on JD McKissick is also someone though, that I think might have a little bit of flex consideration in this one. Normally, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of pausing, though, on that. And the reason is McKissick is game flow dependent. If he's got game flow in his favor, if Washington's playing from behind, McKissick's actually a decent play. But I think there's a world where Washington gets up early and holds that lead. They're expected to win the game. They're favored by two points per Vegas. And I just like the way Tyler Heineke has been playing. I think that Ron Rivera's got this team in a pretty good spot. And there's a world where Washington jumps out ahead, and that would mean more leaning on Gibson, less on McKissick. Speaking of Taylor Heineke, since becoming the starter, he has three straight games of 20 or more fantasy points, two or more touchdowns and three straight games as well. He's a little inflated by his matchups against the Giants and Atlanta, but he did play Buffalo in there, who is the number one matchup against uh, quarterbacks. I mean, they allow the fewest points here. The Buffalo game, plus Daniel Jones got his on this Saints defense. Kind of gives me hope for Heineke this week. Obviously, Washington's going to be at home. Saints will be on the road. Vegas thinks this will be a close game. I think he's worth a back-end stream here. I think he's around the QB 13 through 15 range for me this week, especially in Superflex leagues. I think you give Heineke the nod here. As we move on, to the next matchup, we have a real barn burner here. The lowest over-under on the week, 40 points. Uh, as Houston takes on New England, they're hosting them. Travi uh, can't wait for this game. Oh, man. I, I mean, I think probably be like five fans in the stadium here for Houston. I feel so bad. You'll be one of New them, dude. New England, yeah, right. New England here <laughs> is favored by nine points on the road. What we, ah, this is tough, man. Uh, it's a great matchup for the running backs, Austin. I mean, it, it's a fantastic matchup. But can we trust, based on snap share, pass blocking issues, fumbling issues, all the different Bellatrix, can we trust Damian Harris or anyone else, for that matter, against Houston here? 
you know, I think I would feel good about Damian Harris, real talk. After the first two weeks, Damian Harris was a top 20 halfback. And in the last two weeks, he's not. He's the number 58 running back. But what we learned is that he is the running running back. That's like becoming one of my new favorite terms talking about fantasy football. <laughs> he is the running running back. And even on those down weeks, Travis, he had uh, at least double the carries of any other running back on the New England Patriots roster. And this game should be a really great spot for New England to going up against a bottom team in Houston. I expect the Pats to get up early, keep that lead, and ride Damian Harris until the clock expires. Brandon Bolden looks to be the new pass-catching back. He looks like he's really filled in there for James White. He had 10 targets combined over the last two weeks with 74 yards. Like, that's not bad. That's going to get a little PPR consideration. That's going to be more... Uh, you're going to be looking at Brandon Bolden when they're in a, a come-from-behind situation or at least a closer matchup. This is not the Brandon Bolden game. This would be a Damian Harris game. I would start him with confidence, and I wouldn't feel bad even if he had a horrible game because I think this is a great matchup to get Damian Harris in your lineup. Yeah, over seven-point favorites. You've got to put Harris in here. The game script is is begging you to put him in here, and he's he's capitalized on bad matchups already this year, so I think that's definitely the right call. I want to talk a little bit about but Johnny's boy, Jacoby Myers. Not only is he dominant, Jacoby! There Not you only go. Is he dominating the Patriots market share with 41 targets and a 25% market share on the year, but those 41 targets, guys, ties him for sixth among all pass catchers, wide receiver, running back, or tight end in the NFL this year. On paper, this matchup doesn't look great. Houston is allowing the seventh fewest, fewest points per game to wide receiver but they're getting boat raced every week. So I understand why we're not getting a lot of points out of your wide receivers here against them. It won't be because of matchup, though, uh, as far as cornerback is concerned, because he's going to face Tavir Thomas, the slot cornerback for Houston. PFF grades him on a scale of 100 as 50. That's a failing grade. And Myers can be comfortably flexed or even wide receiver 2-3 borderline in PPR leagues. Also, I want to keep a close eye on Kendrick Bourne. OK, he would get the early waiver wire grab. You know, if you have that extra bench spot, I maybe go pick him up back to back weeks with over 60 percent snap share and double digit PPR fantasy points. If this offense can start rolling, Mac Jones could get the confidence built back up. I think this is another PPR weapon that could be there. Johnny, I wanted to talk to you, though, about the tight ends because we saw flashes of life last week. Both of them scored. Um, and this is a team we've been trying to beg the tight ends to get going here. How are we feeling about them and particularly this matchup? Yeah, this matchup is quite juicy. Houston is giving up the second most fantasy points to the tight end position. So you're just, oh man, there's so much meat on the bone for the tight ends there. And they have also surrendered three touchdowns so far to opposing tight ends. And then you look at this situation and you're like, okay, well, who do I start? Jonu or Hunter Henry? And this whole time we thought that Hunter Henry was going to get the Aaron Hernandez role and that uh, Gronk was, or excuse me, that uh, he was going to get the Gronk role and that Johnu was going to get the Aaron Hernandez role. But it seems to be flipped, actually, as whereas Hunter Henry is seeing the bulk of the snap share, it's above 65%. He has only had two games where he's gotten over five targets and he's only seen two red zone targets. Now, he did come down with the red zone uh, reception, that made the day if you played him on Monday night. However, when you look at Jonu on the opposite side, three out of four games, uh, he has had five or more targets. He's had five red zone targets. However, his snap share is in the, you know, low four or high 30s, uh, low 40s on most games. So you're kind of looking at like a double edged sword with these two. It's a great matchup. 
Um, if I had to play one, it would be probably Janu because you're going to get the upside of the touchdown. However, the safer floor would be uh, Hunter Henry. The only, I don't even know if you could call it safe. The only safe option yeah, I know. has been Brandon Cooks, and, and I don't know if that's exactly safe. The question this week becomes if we are still okay to start Brandon Cooks um, because we're getting a lot of lineup questions about Brandon Cooks because he is eighth in the NFL in targets and target market share. In a game last week where Mills completed only 11 passes and tossed four picks, Cooks actually caught five balls for 47 and nearly got 10 PPR fantasy points. So volume is there. He's still a fantastic value based on where you draft him. I think he's one of the better values this year. I don't think I'm starting him this week. I, I don't know if I can get myself to do it. Against a Bill Belichick defense here, they specialize in taking out your best weapon. He's the only one they've got. And they, you know, Bill is specialized in making rookie quarterbacks look silly his whole career. Cooks belongs on your bench this week, but he belongs definitely firmly on your roster. And I think he's a great uh, piece to have, especially as bye weeks get rolling and just the depth that you have at wide receiver. Austin, anything else <laughs> for Houston at all? Like anything? No. And I wanted to just shed a little bit of light on how no it is. Through, since week one, not a single Houston halfback has broken five fantasy points there's three of them in the last three weeks not a single one of them has broken five fantasy points and as you said davis mills last week threw four interceptions and finished with a negative overall fantasy day jeff driscoll does not give me reassuring bounce back vibes (laughs) yeah not at all uh the houston texans big underdogs and it gives me an opportunity to let whisper nation know about underdog fantasy underdog fantasy is the best and easiest play place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes They have player prop bets like over under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals and more. And we will be helping you build a few bet slips each and every week. You can also draft with us on our Friday show as we start rolling that out and do the battle royales every week. Just go to the underdogfantasy.com, download the app. They're going to give you $10 when you use the promo code TFW. That's underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for 10 bucks of free money. That's TFW for 10 dollars. We're moving on here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Miami Dolphins in another massive favorite at here. We go from (laughs) the Patriots being massive favorites to Buccaneers about to boat race the Miami Dolphins. 10 point favorites here at home are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a 48 point over under. Uh, Also, I guess the only thing we really are really pumped on it. Well, actually, I guess we could say Gusecki, but Austin, I wanted to ask if there's signs of life for Parker because he's put up some decent numbers usage wise. He's just not getting down the field. And then we have Jalen Waddle, who's the exciting rookie. Anything there out of the wide receiver room that you're excited about? You know, between those two, I'm going Parker. Um, only eight yards per reception for Waddle. Don't love that. And Waddle's volume has been surprisingly inconsistent, man. 13 targets uh, two weeks ago and then four targets on Sunday. Um, His yardage has ranged from 33 on the low to 61 on the highs, even with those 12 uh, receptions on 13 targets, only 61 yards for Waddle. Devontae Parker is a bit elevated of those two, seven to nine targets in every single game this week and between 42 and 81 yards. So a bit higher ceiling, a bit 
higher floor. Um, I'd say both of them are touchdown dependent in most leagues, but if you wanted to flex Parker this week, I really don't hate it actually as Tampa Bay has given up the second most fantasy points to wide receivers in 2021, Travis. Yeah, that's the something that's got to give, right? Because Tampa Bay, now they've lost all three starting corners on the year, it looks like, and they've just been letting anybody who plays against them score massive amounts of points. So I do like the Parker call here because I think he's just going to be the only way they can really move the ball other than maybe Mike Gesicki, right, Johnny, who has really torched it up here with uh, Brissett as quarterback. Yeah, I got to ask you guys, do you think do you think Tampa Bay called up New England when the whole uh, when they were releasing Gilmore was like, hey, what do you want? What what do you want from him? Bill just like hung up the phone. He's like, I'm not trading him to Tampa Bay. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care what you you give me a first and I won't take it because I'm not trading Tom Brady any players. That was wild. Because you would think you would go there, right? Like then, all of a sudden, their their cornerbacks well, are the news that changed from him being released to like he was traded all of a sudden. Yeah, so it was and only crazy. for a sixth rounder. That was that was wild to me. Anyway, you you didn't ask about the cornerback matchup. You Not asked at all. about you asked about Mike Jacecki, and he is starting to come alive, right? And he's actually being used heavily uh, with Jacoby Meyer, or I almost said Jacoby Myers, bro. Jacoby! That's exactly Jacoby! Dude. Uh, with uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he is being heavily targeted, 18 targets in the last two weeks as uh, Brissett has been the quarterback, 68% snap share during that span, which is up over the previous uh, couple of games. Tampa Bay giving seventh most fantasy points to tight end this so far this season. So I do actually think you could stay in the flames with Mike Jacecki and uh, keep rolling him out there in your tight end. And uh, I think you'll be just uh, dandy in this matchup. Somebody who's not just dandy, and why don't you just cue cue it now for Johnny, who's going to tell you better days are ahead. But I'm asking if Mike or if Miles Gaskin is a lost cause, because right now Gaskin is not looking good, and it's very brutal right now. Heading into week four, Gaskin was tied for first in carries of 15-plus yards with four. He was fifth in force missed tackles per rush attempt with .3 per carry, and he was tied for sixth in yards per carry at 5.1. And how did the Dolphins reward him? They gave him two carries last year and no targets, or last week and no targets. 23% of the team snapped. That was his lowest of the year. Then we look at the guy that, of course, should be starting over Miles Gaskin. How could you not get Malcolm Brown in your in your roster above Miles Gaskin? The fantasy thorn in our sides now has increased his snap share over the last two weeks. He's outtouched Gaskin 19 to 18 over the last two weeks. So again, like even if we're in a situation where we can see that Gaskin is clearly the better talent and he should get more touches. This staff doesn't look convinced of that at all. I don't think you can drop him just yet, but you sure cannot start Gaskin in this one. They're heavy road dogs, and you have no production. We know Tampa Bay is a terrible matchup. I'm just wondering what we're going to end up doing with Miles Gaskin and, and how long before he's waiver wire fodder. Dude, it, this is so wild and baffling to me because, like you said, all the metrics point, but they, they were – so they said – according to the coaches, somebody asked him and they had said, Oh, he, he's not as solid at pass blocking as he should be, or which indicates to me, he probably missed a pass block. Uh, and, and one of their quarterbacks got blown up. Uh, but I do think, uh, that the schedule does soften up, uh, over this oh, next man. eight weeks. I just but- had a thought, like we need to look at the play where Tua went down. Did Gaskin cause to his injury? I don't want to start. I don't know. Like, I, that is something that I have thought about. Like, yeah, I don't know. That is interesting to think about, 
However, uh, yeah, it's just my it's baffling. I can't believe, like like you said, all the metrics are there that he's a, a really solid running back, even dating to last year. It's not like he just started doing it this year. Even last year, he was very efficient with all his carries. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, uh, uh, you're on the bench. So we've seen this from time to time from running backs. But uh, yeah, Gaskin, if you have to let him go, I totally understand because you there might be a better option out there. But yeah, it's also like Malcolm Brown, because that's clearly what the Dolphins obviously yeah. want right now no i'm just i'm kidding but i it's it's dark let's move on to a brighter situation here austin and that is the pass catchers for the tampa bay buccaneers now that gronk is sidelined with the rib slash lung injury here we saw ab get back in the fold at 11 targets last week how are you projecting the pass catchers post gronk and in this particular game where they're heavy favorites i think we continue to see all three of the wide receivers regularly involved moving forward as they were last week in a rainy Foxborough game, 12 targets for Mike Evans, 11 for Antonio Brown, five for Chris Godwin, who we were calling the number one in Tampa just a week ago. So I think those three are going to continue to see decent to decent plus volume moving forward. We would want to ask about the tight end, right? Because Rob Gronkowski goes down. You're like, oh, is it Cameron Bray? Does OJ Howard get any consideration? Now, Cameron Bray did have six targets, caught two of them for a health of 29 yards. But I'm not going with the next man up approach on this one, Travis. Gronk and Brady have a rapport that is not going to be replaced by whoever is next on the tight end roster. Um, Tom Brady just doesn't play that type of football. He, he It's not in his algorithm to go with a certain position. He's going to go with the most likely player to catch a touchdown pass. And I think his most comfortable option has been Rob Gronkowski because of how good Rob Gronkowski truly is all-time great. He just has a special knack for picking up touchdowns. You heard him talk about it. He doesn't even go to practice when they do red zone work. He's like, I've had that figured out since I was six years old. And that's just what he does. You know, he just like, he has this ability to do it. Cameron Brate's not going to fill that in. OJ Howard's not going to fill that in. But Tom Brady's going to keep scoring touchdowns. I think he's just going to be doing it through Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and then sprinkle in the rest of the playmakers in Tampa Bay when they're open because Tom Brady's good at finding the open man. Speaking of Tom Brady, Johnny, we've seen a couple games where he got to be more of a fringe end QB one than that top tier QB we thought could happen with all the records at stake and all the throwing that he was going to do. Are you thinking more of the same this week? They are heavy favorites. Are you maybe benching Brady for a Trey Lance or a Jalen Hurts? What's your projection on this game? No, I'm I'm, I'm still starting Tom Brady. Look, that was what you saw last week was his worst game since week nine of 2020, uh, where he put up only 2.3 fantasy points against New Orleans. The next week, he bounced back with 37 uh, against Carolina. So I, I'm not worried about him. Uh, this happens. I thought I think it was a very emotional game for him. So like surprise, surprise, Tom Brady is actually somewhat human and has like this emotional connection and can't quite do all the things that he wanted to do uh you know whether that was throw for a lot of touchdowns on against his former team but they did win so i know he'll take that and so i do think against this uh against uh this team this week he will bounce back they have allowed the seventh pass uh they have allowed seven passing touchdowns on the season to opposing uh quarterbacks and I do think that Tom Brady is going to get back on track with that uh, touchdown pace because that is where he is headed. 
A lot of uh, guys that we maybe consider must starts out of Tampa Bay. I want to add Leonard Fournette, Lombardi Lenny to the mix here because last week we're starting to see some things happen in this backfield. And last week we saw Lenny get a career high with the Bucks care in carries last week, 20. He also had 82% of the snaps. But more importantly, we were asking with Geo out what would be the effect. He went three of five in the receiving for 47 yards. So we're starting to see Leonard Fournette take over with Geo out and Ronald Jones, you know, obviously ineffective. You look at Ronald Jones, less than 20% snap share in three or four weeks, has not seen more than six carries in any game this year. He's clearly just the backup here uh, for Leonard Fournette now. And then you look at Tampa Bay, double-digit home favorites in this one. And then you look at the top, the last four finishes for running backs against Miami. Damian Harris, 23 rushes for 100 yards in week one. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, um, 13 carries, uh, I'm sorry, 21 carries combined, over 100 yards, and three total touchdowns for the two backs in Buffalo. Week three, Peyton Barber got over 23 carries. We talked about Peyton Barber resurrecting. It was against these Dolphins. And then in week four, Jonathan Taylor went 16 for 103 and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette's going to smash it. This is a, one of my must-starts on the week. I think Leonard Fournette's in a great spot against Miami. Moving on, we have the Cincinnati Bengals versus our Green Bay Packers, Austin, in a 50-and-a-half point over-under with Green Bay favored by three on the road. I want to start with you, Austin, and talk about that running back room because we saw more of a split finally with A.J. Dillon. I don't want to say finally. I wasn't really trying to wish for this because I love Aaron (laughs) Jones. But, I mean, we did see the split we thought could be possible when they got rid of Jamal Williams. Is this more of a game flow situation that happened against Pittsburgh, or can we expect more of this going forward? I mean, there's a world where you absolutely see more of this moving forward. I think Matt LaFleur would want to see more of this moving forward. I think that makes a lot of sense if you can go ahead and divide the workload from a violent game among a couple of your healthy backs. That's going to be uh, profitable both in those games and for the rest of the season. But... And then we'll take before I jump in with my butt. Last week, both backs had 15 carries. A.J. Dillon had his best work of the season, 81 yards, going up against a decent Pittsburgh rush defense. Aaron Jones, though, we know is the special back who can do things that only a handful of backs in the NFL are capable of doing. What I really think we're looking at, while there is a world where there's a more equitable distribution moving forward, I think we're looking at some remnants of a ankle issue for Aaron Jones. We saw the ankle pop up in the midweek practice reports, Travis, for Aaron Jones. And an ankle is one of those injuries that's not probably going to keep you out of the game, but they're going to keep you from hitting your ceiling. Um, they also just need some time to heal. And the more work you put on an ankle, the longer it is going to take to heal. So it does make sense to see AJ Dillon more involved. I think you'll probably continue to see that. Um, you're not probably benching Aaron Jones, and I don't think you probably should. I like him in this matchup going up against Cincinnati. I think this is a game that Green Bay should have control over, which would lead to the running game getting more work. But that also means A.J. Dillon could have some work on this one as well. We're going to learn a lot from this game about what they're looking to do between those two backs, either permanently or just because of the ankle issue. But we're going to learn more from this one. It's great to see Aaron Jones still involved. They didn't have him out, came back in. And you like to see A.J. Dillon do well, too. We'll see if he can earn some flex appeal moving forward. I wouldn't start A.J. Dillon right now, though. You keep Aaron Jones in your lineup, and let's monitor and see what happens. The Green Bay Packers, not as a high-powered of a team as they were last year, not as an efficient of a team last year. They're doing what they need to do to win games right now. And I think that has an effect on last year's MVP, Aaron Rodgers. So, Johnny, when I ask you here, is Rodgers a must-start in this one? we got a high over-under. It's supposed to be a close game. Do we like this matchup for Aaron Rodgers? 
I, I think he's like a mid-tier QB1 for me this week. Look, the matchup, like you talked about, not great. Seventh fewest uh, fantasy points to opposing uh, quarterbacks, the Bengals, that, are, that is. Uh, they've only allowed uh, or they've only given up four passing touchdowns on the season uh, to opposing quarterbacks. And still, though, after I say all that stuff, uh, they somehow let Trevor Lawrence uh, make him look silly and look like he was a uh, not a rookie quarterback last week. So uh, do I think that Aaron Rodgers is fine to put in your lineup? I do. If you do have better options like a Jalen Hurts or something like that, I might look in that direction. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I'm getting Aaron Rodgers in my lineup. I want to talk about the pass catchers here because we get a couple up and down weeks from Devontae Adams and people freak out. Relax on Devontae Adams, people. 47 targets that sides for second among all NFL pass catchers. And check this out. This is the big one. Through a month right now, he's got 36% target market share. That's dominating the Packers and nearly 7% higher than his 2020 numbers. It's really about these other pieces. And we're and we're similar to Kansas City. We're searching for that other piece for them. Uh, Randall Cobb was the guy who showed up last week, five of six targets for 69 yards. Nice. He also had two touchdowns last week. This was with MVS on the IR. Then they slid Lazard to the outside that put Cobb in the slot. And I could see some production moving forward if that's the case. And the matchup is right. When we look at this matchup, it's a good one per PFF. When they look at Mike Hilton, who is the slot cornerback that, Randall Cobb is going to run most of his routes again. He just gave up six of seven for 99 yards to LaVisca Chenault last week. This is a flex worthy game in PPR for Randall Cobb, depending on your options. So I think he's around there. And then just to touch on Alan Lazard, no games over two catches or 45 yards this year. I don't think that changes much with MVS. Again, not as high powered of an offense. And then the big one here, the one that hurts our hearts is, is Robert Tunyon. Bob Tunyon is killing your lineup right now. He's only got eight receiving yards or in or fewer in three or four games this year. Did see a season high in targets last week with seven, but he only caught two balls. With Cobb addition, the team likely to throw to the running backs or just simply run more if they need to. We are seeing our worst fears come to fruition with Rob Tunyon, who lived off of major touchdown production last year. I think he can be dropped in all formats for tight ends like Jared Cook, Max Williams, Don, Dalton Schultz, um, you know Dawson Knox, all these guys that are out there for you on waivers or were out there for you on waivers. I hope that you were able to move on to a better option. We're going to move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's my heart, are, dude. I pity yeah, my I fool, know. dude. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the home team here, I want to touch a little bit on Joe Burrow. He's starting to gain some confidence here. After falling, uh, failing to post more than 20 completions or throw for more than 300 yards in three straight games, Burrow passed the ball 32 times. He completed 25 of them for 348 yards and two scores against Jacksonville. He also added the rushing score. He's an interesting streamer option. He's going to get Green Bay in a 50-point over-under at home. Green Bay is giving up just under 20 points per game to the fantasy QB position. Additionally, Green Bay has given up 10 QB passing scores. That's tied for second in the NFL's first month. So they're middle of the road when you look at the numbers, but they have given up a lot of touchdowns, and he's got some weapons. But part of how what makes the offense go is Joe Mixon, Austin, and I think part of why Joe Burrow becomes exciting is because Mixon's a little dinged up right now. Yeah, he's day to day right now with an ankle injury, and this is something to monitor. We just talked about Aaron Jones and how his ceiling came down a little bit from that ankle issue. I think Joe Mixon, if he does play, it's going to be dealing with a reduced ceiling, which is going to bring up P. Ryan for consideration. If Mixon is out, I would start P. Ryan. But as we mentioned on our other episodes, there are probably going to be more halfbacks picking up the slack than just P. Ryan alone. 
you might see Chris Evans get involved. You might see more slot routes. You might see a shift in game plan if Joe Mixon isn't able to take the field. You're not just able to fill in and replace such a good quality halfback like Joe Mixon. So just monitor, wait and see what happens with the ankle. We'll see how his practice does continue. I think you keep him in your, you obviously have him in your lineup to be starting, um, but just temper those expectations, even if he does get the start because ankles, ankles last for a few weeks at least. Johnny, speaking of expectations, what can we expect? We see T. T. Higgins returning to practice. We see this wide receiving core kind of showing out when they need to. And then on, honestly, last week, C.J. Uzuma uh, returning yeah. to emergence here and kind of being that tight end flavor of the week. How are we seeing these pass catchers in this matchup? Well, for I'll start off with uh, C.J. because uh, it is a good matchup on paper. To, uh, Green Bay surrendering three touchdowns to tight ends this season. Uh, you like what you saw from CJ getting a 90.6 snap share against the Jags in week four, which was the highest uh, that he had seen this season. Do you think it's a coincidence that it came in lure because of T Higgins not being there? I think so. And I think you saw it because uh, they didn't really use uh, Auden Tate. They didn't free Auden Tate like our boy uh, Ian Horowitz would have uh, would have liked. Or me. I mean, even though he was wide open, they were on the goal line. You know, you could have just dumped it and there would have been no challenge. You wouldn't have missed out on that touchdown. If you just would have looked to your left right there, you would have had another six. But no. They didn't want to involve Auden Tate. They wanted to involve CJ. So the big answer here is that you need to uh, monitor T Higgins situation. If you have CJ, if T Higgins doesn't go, then yeah, you slide uh, CJ in your lineup. Uh, obviously his ceiling comes way down uh, because he didn't see another game with, uh, with more than two targets prior than prior to this last week's game. Uh, and then when I'll talk about chase real quick, Chase, it's a very difficult matchup. Green Bay, bottom four in yards to the wide receiver, but they have been given they have given up five uh, receiving touchdowns to wide receivers. So Chase is one of those guys. He becomes more of a flex play in this week. Uh, but you can we saw Deontay still score a touchdown, so uh, we were a little scared off of that situation. And then Tyler Boyd consistently sees the most targets in this offense, but his ceiling is completely capped with Higgins and Chase uh, there. So. Uh, once again, if he if T Higgins doesn't go, then I'll play Tyler Boyd. Uh, I'll play uh, Chase and I'll play Jay. But if T Higgins ends up playing, then I'll, I would bench uh, Boyd and uh, CJ. I would just want to make a note on the secondary for the Packers, potentially losing Jair Alexander for the season. He's se he's receiving second options or second Ooh. opinions on an injury right now for an AC joint injury. It's just Ooh, not, that's not good. good. Packers, that's not good. Which would good. I mean, he's. Yeah. I don't think he's going to play this week, which means an upgrade for these pass catchers, really, uh, yeah. for Cincinnati. And I'm, you know, this is why I want him to get Stefan Gilmore, Austin. I was hoping we were in that market to get him, but we just continue to not make these big splashy plays. Speaking of not big and not splashy, it's our final game of the of the matchup breakdown for part one, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Denver Broncos. And I believe the lowest over under on the week it's a thirty nine and a half point over under. Pittsburgh, Yikes. I don't know how favored by how the mighty have fallen. The Bridgewater concussion is probably why. Yeah. And I guess I guess we're going to start with the pass catchers because of the Bridgewater concussion. Austin, what is our confidence level in Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, these guys that are catching balls out there? 
Yeah, I'd go Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick. Sutton's the number one on the team that just doesn't throw the ball a ton. He's going to have good games. Um, I don't know if we can count on Cortland Sutton's consistency, at least not for a couple of weeks right now. He's still getting healthy. He's still coming back. New system, multiple quarterbacks coming in for Denver right now. Moving over to Tim Patrick. I like so many things about Tim Patrick from a football perspective, and I really like his 90% plus snap share. I'm what you saw last week, but he's looking to be the third option on a team behind Sutton and Fant that just doesn't throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. And that's not great for your fantasy lineup. Noah Fant, the last one here, his storyline really hasn't changed at all, regardless if his overall tight end position has gone from five or to 11 or to seven, where it currently sits in PPR formats. He had 66 targets in 2019 with Locke behind center. He had 10 targets last week with Locke behind center. So I do actually like Drew Locke coming in. I like what that could do for Noah Fant. He's talented. He's got opportunity on the team. He's always on the field. Um, I, I think Noah Fant can be one of those mid-level tight end one, mid to back level, but that's just going to make him like any of these other tight ends there. Um, I This week, going up against Pittsburgh, 31st-ranked pass defense looks pretty good, but again, it's low volume. Just temper your expectations, but there's probably not another tight end you're going to be enthusiastically starting above him unless you got one of those like big dogs, like you know, a Waller or a Kelsey, maybe a Hawkinson or an Andrews, something like that. Austin hitting it home there on the low volume. And that's because this team is very much capable of just running the ball right now. And that's what they're doing with both backs a full month into the season. And this backfield is still very split after we've been calling for Javante Williams. Well, most of us have been calling for Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon. If we look at the breakdown here through the first month, Melvin Gordon, 51 carries to Javante Williams, 46. Gordon has a 4.9 yards per carry. Williams has a 4.0. Gordon with 11 targets to Williams is eight through the passing game. Gordon has four red zone carries. Williams has five. Gordon, 11 points per game in fantasy to Williams is 6.9. We will have plenty of opportunities to start both of our Denver backs, given the fact that Denver is top 10 in rushing attempts and rushing yards. We talked about that volume. This is not one of those times. Pittsburgh is allowing the six fewest points per game to enemy backs, and they've yet to surrender a touchdown to any fantasy running back this season. So for me, I'm fading both Denver backs here. And Johnny, I wanted to ask you if we're fading Teddy Bridgewater, even if he does suit up and and clear concussion protocol. Yeah, not that. I mean, Steelers aren't, you know, what they were last year, but they're still not a great matchup, only surrendering 20.8 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. So I would just stay away. On the other side of the ball, we are not staying away from Najee Harris, even though we're staying away from a lot of the Pittsburgh offense. And that's because, Austin, Najee Harris is an absolute volume monster right now. Number 12 halfback in standard formats, but number four in PPR. Man, that's like, damn. Um, We knew he's going to be involved in the passing game, but I'm not sure that we expected Najee to lead with emphasis all halfbacks. I'm not just talking Pittsburgh. I'm talking the NFL in targets and receptions. Now, if CMC was active, that might be a little bit different, but here we are, and he's leading the entire NFL in pass targets and receptions. An elite pass-catching halfback, and Najee Harris has gotten all but just four halfback carries this entire season. Uh, Benny Snell has a total of four other carries through four weeks in the season, and he didn't really do anything with them. So he's he's the guy he's carrying the rock. Najee Harris is... I don't think I've ever seen somebody carry the volume that Najee Harris is carrying right now through the first month of 2021, Travis. 
it's really funny, us, because at the beginning of the year, we're like, oh, he's just got, you know, we were being cute with it. Oh, he's going to have a great volume. You know, he's going to be big, too big to fail. But literally, we've seen games where he's got like almost 100% volume in the games for that, for the running back position. And that is something that, like you said, uh, you know, RB4 and PPR, I, I'm hesitant to think because he got 19 of those targets in one game. So yeah. it'll, be, it'll be weird to see. But if Ben can't throw past that and they're not going to move off from Ben, then like that's what we're going to see here. The other thing we're going to see is the Deontay show in Pittsburgh, and we have seen it so far. He's played in three games, guys. He has over 10 targets in all three. The fact that he's top 20 in targets and he's only played three games, that just shows you how much he's he's leaned on uh, by Big Ben in this offense. He He's done that, and he, and he missed week three. Two touchdowns in two of three games uh, in and in back-to-back games with over 10 points, uh, or I'm sorry, 10 yards per reception. So he's even getting a little bit deeper for Ben. Uh, that's deep for Ben, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, He is an auto start on volume alone, but he's showing some real touchdown upside, and therefore wide receiver one upside week to week because of that. This is a tough matchup against uh, Denver. They allow, they're allow they the sixth-ranked passing defense, but the volume alone is going to float Deontay Johnson. Just a touch on the other weapons here because this one hurts my heart. You're going to monitor Claypool's status. He's a hold in most leagues, but I, it's not looking great at the moment. I wouldn't mind you you know, moving on to another guy with more volume, uh, uh, more you know, comfortable. I mean, I think you could drop Claypool for an A.J. Green at this point, and it's unfortunate to say that, but that's kind of where we're at with this offense. Um, Juju, the targets are there. The A dot and the catch percentage is not. So really, it's Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, or Bust for the Pittsburgh offense, and that's unfortunate uh, for those of us that love the talent of Chase Claypool. Mm. But that does it for us, Whisper Nation, and the part one of the matchup show is done now. Make sure you get part two by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have any further lineup questions, make sure you're subscribed over on the YouTube channel. You tune in an hour and a half before kickoff. You can also check the fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Austin Sear, I'm Big Travi, and we're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out of here. Peace. Peace. Bye. Right here. Look at you go. You made it to the end of another one of our videos. Hey, if you still have some questions, I totally understand. Or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community, head on over to our Discord chat. Link is in the description below. And if you're still not sold on us, check out one of these videos. Don't you hear the whispers?